Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Tenure Denied, episode 139, Authors Promotion Show. With Dr. Ellen Morris Tigerman, Doctor of Speech Language Pathology, and founder and CEO of Tigerman Schools. Hello and welcome to Authors Promotion Show. Today we're gonna talk about very exciting story, a fiction book, and that's called Ten Year Denied. We have Dr. Ellen Morris with us. And uh, she's actually uh, as a founder and CEO of Tigerman Schools. And she also has a doctorate in speech language pathology. Welcome to my show, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you, Pentea. <laughs> you know, I'm so excited to have you because usually I have only nonfiction authors. And this is the first time I have fiction. And uh, that's interesting because I really love uh, talking about the past and you say past regression. And I love Brian uh, that you always talk about it in in your book. Yes. Yes. Uh, Actually, Brian also uh, worked with uh, real case studies, right? So I'm not sure. Is is, Is he still alive? Yes, absolutely. He's very active. He has a clinical center in uh, Miami. So he's, you know, very much still in practice. Um, You know, I've uh, emailed him several times. So he he does lectures and seminars all over the country. So he's very much involved. Yeah, great. So Ellen, tell me about yourself first. How did you become doctor of a speech language pathology? And why did you choose that path? When I was a child, um, maybe six or seven years old, I was in a playground with my sister and my mother. And um, I was sitting with my mother and my sister walked over to a slide. And she walked up. And I saw her fall and she had a very severe traumatic brain injury. She was hospitalized for several weeks. She was unconscious. And when she came back, she had lost all of her speech. My family was destroyed, okay? She was the uh, middle child, and my father decided that he was going to take her to different medical practitioners. And at that time, I mean, we're talking the 1960s now, um, there was very little to do for my sister. So one option was to hospitalize her and then to institutionalize her. And my parents were very opposed to that. And I can remember taking a trip with my dad up to an institution for my sister. And I, my comment to him was, 
don't send Susan there. Don't send her there. He borrowed money against his pension and he bought all kinds of textbooks. And for the next 12 years, he worked with her day in and day out himself. And for the first couple of years, she didn't go to school. He worked with her every day that he came home from work. And when she graduated from high school, he said to me, your mother gave her her first life and I gave her her second. And she went on to college and she has a very full life. That was my lesson. I grew up having that experience and it completely transformed my life. So when I was teaching at Adelphi University and I met a parent who had a little boy, Jonathan Davis, and the mother was Toya Davis, she said to me, Dr. Tegeman, I can't find a school for Jonathan. I went with her and we looked on Long Island and we could not find a school for Jonathan. And I said, being very young and very inexperienced, Pentea, how hard could it possibly be to start a school? And I have learned over the last 40, 40 years that it is very hard to start a school. But I started one in 1985 with Jonathan Davis and his mother, Toya Davis. And of course, Jonathan is now a young man and he has a very full life. He went to Howard University and he has a job working for Nassau County Parks. And I have four school buildings, two on Long Island and two in New York City that basically provide educational services for children with autism spectrum disorders. And we serve about six to 700 families. In 2010, I decided, well, I go from preschool all the way up through high school. I think I would like to start adult services. And I did. I started day habilitation programs on Long Island and in New York City serving adults. We also have several residences where um, young adults live and we take care of them 24 seven. So it's been a fabulous, fabulous experience. And I owe my sister a great deal. And I owe my father a great deal because they both taught me a tremendous lesson about love and dedication. And that's how I got started. Well, I'm really impressed. That's amazing. Wow. I can't believe that you actually started building a school. And now you have four buildings that actually dedicate to these kind of people. So your sister can talk right now or? Absolutely. Wow. My sister wow. is, a, is, a, is a physician of, in pra- private practice. She's um, uh, an endocrinologist, uh, a, a great researcher. And uh, she's had a very full life. She's married. She has several children. So um, her life went on. And it's really, we owe, my sister and I both owe my dad 
uh, a debt of gratitude because he was really our first teacher. He taught us the lesson of love, persistence, and dedication. Wow, you should actually write a book about hair. <laughs> I should write yeah. a book about him. Yeah, he was he, a real, yeah, yeah, he was a character. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I talk actually to so many PTSD uh, warriors who had childhood trauma. And your story actually reverse everything because uh, the reverse side of it is that they actually traumatize at home. They don't see love and later they will have a lot of problem in their life. So as you see, the other coin, the other side of the coin is what your father did. Your yes. father actually dedicated his time and energy with his daughter and uh, actually, yeah, he saw the success. And you actually was a very great pattern of what you did, having four schools and helping others grow in their speech. And yeah, I also talked to a lot of people with uh, autism, ADD, right? And the same story, they have full life and they actually, because... Uh, they were considered as somebody who can heal. There were some people work on them and they have a life right now. There are lots of them educated, go to university, have a great life. So tell me about your book right now. Uh, I see that you talk about past regression, right? Yeah. So why yes. are you interested to talk about past regression first and then uh, I'm, I'm going to know to some extent you believe in it and do you have any true uh, case study about past regression or what? Okay, so I'll tell you how I got started with it. I was on, this goes back about 10 years. I was on vacation and I was very, very tired. I had just opened a high school um, and I had a conversation with my husband who basically recommended that I write a fiction novel about my experiences at the university. And I thought that was a ridiculous idea because I was so tired at the time, I couldn't imagine writing a fiction novel, but the idea stuck with me. And the title was, his, he came up with the title, Tenure Denied. And the reason he came up with the title was because I was involved with the University Personnel Committee, which deals with tenure of professors, tenure and promotion, okay? And it's a very interesting, very unique process that professors go through when they review each other professionally for tenure and promotion. So I decided I was gonna write it. I sat down and I put together an outline and I wrote a manuscript, but it didn't click. It just, it just didn't click. So I left it in the closet. So, and so was it, it a fiction or nonfiction? That no, it was a fiction book. It was fiction. It was, a, it was a murder mystery. It was fiction. It was about the university. It was a character. 
such as myself, who is a psychologist, who taught at the university and was on the university personnel committee, same experiences that I had, right? And there was a murder on campus, right? But it just, it just didn't click. So if I roll the tape forward a couple of years, I attended a lecture by Dr. Brian Weiss, who, as you know, is an eminent psychiatrist who specializes in past lives, past life regression. He's been doing it for 30 years, okay? As far back as I can remember, he's been involved with past life regression, and he's written many, many books on the topic, okay? So he was giving a week seminar in Rhinebeck, New York at the Omni Center. And I decided, you know, this sounds really interesting. I didn't know anything about Dr. Weiss. So I signed up for this seminar and I went up to Rhinebeck, New York. And I was really intrigued by all of this. There were 125 therapists from all over the world. Some of them were very traditional therapists, psychologists, social workers. Some of them were psychics. Some of them were mediums, okay? I had never really met that group before, but they were all mixed in together. And he had us do a group experience, okay? So he gave us a set of instructions Everybody goes into the center of the room and you tap someone and that person becomes your partner. Okay. Now being, a, you know, a trained professional as I have been an academic for all the years that I've been in university, I'm very skeptical. Okay. But, you know, I went along with the program. And, you know, I sat through several regressions. Now I was going to have a personal experience myself. And I walked into the middle of the room and a woman tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around and she introduced herself. She was from Brazil and she was a psychic. And we exchanged items. I gave her my glasses she gave me her necklace, okay? And I went first and I closed my eyes and I rubbed the necklace and I said, I see this and I see this and I see this. And she said, stop. And I opened my eyes and she said to me, nope, it's not working. She said, you are resistant. I said, I'm resisting. She said, yes, you are resisting. You are resisting seeing things. Now I'm going to do a reading for you, she said to me. And she closed her eyes and she rubbed my glasses. And she said, this is what I see. And the first thing she said to me was, I see your sister, Susan. I thought my face was going to freeze. Freeze. I couldn't. I I could barely catch my breath, Pantea. I'm telling you, I was so shocked. And she described a scene at a funeral. And she described who was there. She was right on the mark. 
right, ex exactly what happened. She described the priest. She described my sister. I, 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 I couldn't talk. I was so shocked. And she said to me, am I right? And I said, yes. And she said to me, you are still doubting me. She said, so I want to tell you that I see your brother-in-law, Daniel. And she I'm walked away. I'm really amazed. Really surprised. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Amazing. The whole week went like that. And by the end of the week, I had made a decision. And my decision was I was going to take out that manuscript. I was going to rewrite it. And it was going to be about past lives. And that's how Tenure Denied, a past life mystery, was born. It was born by that psychic experience and by that week that I had with Dr. Brian Weiss. I spoke to him every afternoon at five o'clock. Five o'clock, I was the first one online to speak to him. Okay, it was amazing. The whole week was amazing. Okay, and the book is about a psychologist, okay, who's at a university in the Midwest and there's a murder on campus and she's part of the process of solving that murder by using past lives, okay? And I am very interested in past lives because I had a past life as a teenager. I was in Greece, in Crete, and I had been on a tour and we came to an archeological site and I had the weirdest experience, sensation that I had been there before and I knew where things, where things were. Like I knew where things were located. I knew what it looked like. So I pulled away from the group and I happened to be traveling with my brother. And I said to him, I don't feel well, I need to sit down. And I sat down for a couple of minutes and the tour guide came over and she said to me, are you feeling all right? And I said, I, 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 I really don't feel well. I said, but can you tell me something about this site? And when she started to tell me, I asked her several questions confirming what I knew. That experience, I pushed away and I did nothing with. I left, ran away from, until I had that week course with Dr. Weiss because it came back and it all, in a sense, completed a circle for me the experience with the psychic, my childhood experience, and then writing this novel. So I am very interested in past lives. So uh, about your past life, 
uh, you've been teenager in that past life. Did you know what happened to that life or uh, when it ended or you don't remember that? I don't remember that. I remember the place. I remember what was there. I remember the layout. I remember other people there, but I don't remember about my life and how it ended. Mm-hmm. Okay. So about the past life regression, <laughs> uh, do you also do it uh, with your, I don't know, you, you don't have any patient, you're doing something else like. No, uh, yeah. I, I, my, my practice is with um, children and adults with autism spectrum disorders. Mm-hmm. So um, about the, yeah, Brian Weiss, uh, is that any program that people can go there or have their past life regression or see what's happening to them? I, I don't know. Probably here in Canada or US, there are some people who are doing it. Yes, there are, there are a couple of things that your listeners can look for. Mm -hmm. First of all, Dr. Weiss does a lot of seminars um, all over the United States. Okay. And um, for example, he's coming to the Javits Center um, in New York. Okay, he's, I attended one of his seminars at the Java Center there. So he's, he's been there and he's been um, to a number of other places, big cities all over the country. So you can Google him and look for his seminars. Okay, you can get his books on, his books are all listed on Amazon. Many, la- many lives, many, many masters. Okay? I, I read it actually. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, messages from the masters okay is, is another one of his books only love is real is is a third book that he wrote um so you can look for him and his his books the other thing is there are many therapists who do past life regression at this point so um there are a number of options in terms of exploring it personally to see if it's something that you'd like to go into and you'd like to see for yourself if you have a past life. The other thing I would suggest to people, um, because I'm very often asked this question, how do I know, you know, that I've had a past life? And, you know, there are several ways that you can begin the exploration process, okay? Number one, dreams, okay? Do you have regular dreams? How do you know? Well, you set an alarm clock, okay? I've done this myself, so it works. Set an alarm clock to two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Get up, keep a, um, a notebook by your bed and write down all of the images, impressions, ideas, memories that you have from your dreams, okay? You're going to keep a diary. You're going to dialogue, okay, um, for several weeks, several months, and see if there are any patterns, okay? So that's the first thing, dreams, okay? The second thing is memories. 
do you have any vivid memories of things? And this you need to like think about. That's why I'm saying keep a diary, um, keep your notes, look for patterns. Do you have any extreme interests? Like for example, uh, Chinese art. I don't know. Um, uh, do you know anything? Do you do can, you know have do you have an interest in languages as a case in point? All right. Do you have a facility for languages? Maybe that fits into something else. Look for patterns, dreams, memories, interests. These are all ways to explore if you've had a past life. And the best thing to do is meditation. Okay. So I really recommend buying a book about meditative practice. Okay. Now, meditation is not something that you're going to accomplish overnight. This is something you have to practice. It's like exercise. I get up in the morning, I go to the gym, I exercise every day. Same thing. You're not going to do it all the first couple of days. Okay. It's something that you start off slowly and you need to be persistent. Dedicate yourself to doing it because this is something that you really want to find out about yourself. So you're going to meditate for 15 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 30 minutes, okay? But there's a process and it's not the end result here. It's not the end result that's important. It's really the journey that's important. So it's the practice, the way you relax, the way you feel about yourself, you, you're able to open your subconscious and follow your thoughts and find if you have a past life. You have it. You definitely have it, but you have to find it, okay? And sometimes it takes people days. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes years. Mm. And it's not only one I've heard. Like you may have so many past lives because uh, I believe the total of energy in this world is, uh, is the same. And uh, so that's why we just uh, convert from energy to substance, right? So that's why if, if the total is, in, is, is the same, so we go back and come back again. We go out and come back again. That's right. about past life. And that's about the um, perfection. I mean, we every time we come to in this world, uh, we have a purpose to accomplish and uh, something that in our past life we couldn't accomplish. So we come to this world to accomplish that mission. That's what I <laughs> realized. And everybody can um, discover it. They can believe it or not. That's up to them again. Uh, so I have a few questions. <laughs> I'm really interested to know about the fiction books. Uh, first of all, how, uh, how is different from nonfiction? Because nonfiction is more theoretical. You can have your own biography inside, inside the nonfiction as well, which I did. Like I have my own mm -hmm. personal stories in nonfiction, the rules of change for the better. But I never um, wrote a fiction book. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So okay, what so, is the structure for fiction book and how right. we can start um, to structure it, to write it? Okay, so I would compare, because I've written several academic books, okay? I would compare, you know, an academic book to a nonfiction book. So there are certain historical data points, historical events in nonfiction that if you're going to write a nonfiction book, you have to pay attention to, okay? Because that's what nonfiction is all about, that you're talking about historical, factual, factual events, okay? In fiction, it's a very different process. It's very open-ended. So for an, an aspiring author or a new author who would like to write a fiction book as compared to a nonfiction book, in a nonfiction book, I would write um, a detailed outline like I write in an academic book. I write an outline. I pick out the key points that are historical or important events right? And then I would add commentary to that based on my interpretation and perspective about those events. Not the same thing in fiction. In fiction, you sit down literally with a blank page, and that's what's so difficult and so open-ended and so overwhelming about writing a fiction book, because every morning you're going to get up and you're going to sit down to that blank page Okay, and it's a very creative experience, a very creative, open-ended process. So what I recommend to aspiring authors is you also write a general outline, okay? You give yourself um, a time framework to work within. So for me, what I used to do every day Okay, during this pandemic period, which is when I wrote um, and finished Tenure Denied, okay, is I would go to the gym in the morning. I would sit down for two hours between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m., okay? And I was very strict about the time, okay? Not a minute before and not a minute after, okay? I stayed in my time period and I had to write so many pages, and I limited myself every single day to the time period and to the number of pages that I expected myself to write. To help me do this, okay, I wrote a general description of each chapter. So I had a chapter description outline, right, for the entire book. And then I sat down and I wrote, okay. Um, and it gave me the structure, it gave me the time framework, all right, and it gave me the goal and the expectation of what I needed to do every single day. And I never missed a day. That's another thing, okay? I never missed a day. I had, I had a, this was my time to write. I sat there and I wrote. When I was finished with my five pages, that was it. I closed my computer. And I was done for the day and I moved on to, to something else. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I think you need to really recognize that there is a difference between writing something that's fiction and something that's nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Actually, I remember I wrote um, 
some notes when I was a child and it took me two years to finish a book but I never found that book again because I was um, I never published it but I used to write that story for two years and I um, because I moved a lot I moved from home country to Australia then I came to Canada I totally lost it uh, so uh, you're right but sometimes I remember I was in a mood to write and I had a lot of idea oh I have to write this part I have to write that part but some days I couldn't write at all mm-hmm. I understand I, I, can't, I couldn't force myself to write because I had no idea like I was following my character in my mind and I was saying where is she now okay she's tired she can't do anything <laughs> and sometimes I was right, like oh right. right 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 and I that was interesting I had um, I used to Uh, read those uh, stories in a classroom before the teacher comes to the class and everybody was there oh what happened I said okay let's I'll I'll have to think about it tomorrow I don't know (laughs) sometimes you even don't have a clue what's going to happen to that character (laughs) right exactly right there are times that you really you don't know where you're going where you're headed and that's not that's not a bad thing because that's why I said this is a very creative, open-ended process. You know, it's, it's, I think, part of the creative process is to be spontaneous with your writing. And I think you can do that, you know, um, but you need to uh, allow yourself freedom to do that. So it, it's almost... Um, it's almost a relaxation experience that you sort of get into the writing process and once you're there, you can really express yourself um, through your writing. And it's, I, it's one of the most enriching things that I've ever done. Exactly. And it's so satisfying because yes. you have something, it can't stay here. If you, you have to sit on the paper. Like, <laughs> that's an addiction. <laughs> and I have another question about something you said about the establishing schools I also have another show for entrepreneurs and it's so interesting to know uh, how did you actually start establishing a school because it's to me so big (laughs) how did you create that how did you start it's it's a very funny um, part of my life story I went to see an attorney, okay, who specialized in educational law on Long Island. And he said to me, Dr. Tigerman, let me give you some advice. I'm going to give you the 10 steps that you need to do, that you need to follow to open the school. You'll never do it. Stay at Adelphi University. I took the list of 10 things, okay, I looked at them and I said to myself, well, I'm going to go from item one to 10 and I'm not going to look left. I'm not going to look right. I'm just going to do it. And when I'm finished, I'm finished. Okay. And I did. So this is what I did. The first thing I went to a bank and um, I needed to take out a loan because on the list that the lawyer gave me, 
okay, is that you needed about 250,000. Don't forget, this was 1985. So you needed about $250,000 to float the school, okay, for, for about six months, okay, before the state came in to reimburse you, okay? So you had to be solvent for six months, operate independently for six months before the state recognized you and reimbursed you. Okay, because there's always a delay in reimbursement as far as the state is concerned. Okay, all right. So I went to Chemical Bank, and interestingly enough, Chemical Bank has since closed, but they would not give me a loan because I had no collateral. And I said, But I'm your collateral. Me, I'm the collateral. Didn't work, no loan. So I went to see my parents, and I told my tale of woe because that was the first, first thing on the list, financing. My father put up his house wow. for $250,000, okay? And gave me the cash, okay? So that was item number one, I checked it off. I then went to Nassau County and I saw the county executive and I explained to him that I wanted to open a school, but um, I needed vouchers that had to be processed in family court. Could he help me get my vouchers into family court, okay, and have them processed? He helped me, okay? Item number two, check off. Item number three is I needed space. So where was I gonna get space? So I ran around to local school districts, okay? Nobody had space. I mean, school buildings are very precious, right? They're very specialized spaces. And I met with the superintendent in Great Neck, Great Neck, New York, okay? He had an empty school building, which I went to look at, okay? So I had $250,000 cash. My vouchers were being processed. I took a look at this building. I loved it. I took it. So item number three, checked off. Item number four was I needed families, right? So I put an ad in a, in a local newspaper. I took Toya Davis and her little son, Jonathan, with me, right? We had meetings with parents um, whose children had severe disabilities, okay? I introduced myself. I showed them the textbook that I had written, okay? So they had some, because after all, who, who, who am I, right? I mean, I'm coming from the university. What, what's my experience? You know, uh, Dr. Tiedemann, who is Dr. Tiedemann? There's no school, there's, no, there's nothing, right? We're gonna open in six weeks. So I met with all these families, item number four, checked off, okay? And as far as the furniture was concerned, we went to secondhand supply houses, okay? I had some of my father's money. We bought everything secondhand. I brought in a telephone from home and I plugged it in, right? 
And we started on a wing and a prayer. Wow. Item number four checked out. Was it five? Five. <laughs> Item number five, five checked off. Right. Okay. And I went down, down the list in terms of opening the school. So I have been around, right, um, in operation for 35 years. I started with 36 preschool children. I go preschool age three, all the way up to age 21. So I have an elementary school, middle school, high school. And I also have day hat programs for adults. So I have a life continuum of wow. services and programs. Wow, that's, that's gonna be amazing, especially for my that show, that show job reinvented show. So I'm so happy uh, talk to you. It was a long talk, but it really worth it. First of all, seeing a very exciting um, author who actually wrote a fiction book about past regression and somebody who actually founded few schools to help others with, uh, with children who have disabilities. And uh, I'm really amazed with this story, very encouraging, and hopefully others can uh, relate to this story. They just know that whatever you want, whatever your purpose is, you can do it. And uh, your universe actually help you hand by hand to actually achieve those dreams. You just need to dream big and want what you want, it, it's going to be happen. Pantea, thank you so much. And I hope you invite me back again. Yes, yes, for sure. We, we're going to have uh, other talks together. Thank you so much. Please subscribe to Panta Calhoun Transition Channel and order my book, Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams.